0: This is Market Currents from Northern Trust, where we explore facts, patterns, and expert opinions to answer today's most difficult market questions. Most of us would probably look at the economy and recognize that it hasn't been doing that great, even though it wasn't a recession. So now we're dealing with that soft landing. It's not gonna be a soft, easy landing. It's gonna be a bumpy landing because the medicine, was so strong that the Fed took to try and deal with the risks of the unprecedented period in our economic history.
1: Wages are rising at an above average clip. Unemployment is as low as it's been since Woodstock, and the economy keeps adding jobs. But what may feel great for workers and job seekers is actually seen as a bit of a challenge by the policymakers responsible for balancing the good economic news against the potentially pernicious inflation dynamics. Welcome to Market Currents. I'm Katie Nixon, Chief Investment Officer for Wealth Management at Northern Trust. And when we look at the labor market, in some ways, it's a simple assessment of supply and demand. The economy creates jobs, the demand and workers engage with and also enter the workforce. That's the supply. This is really where the imbalance has been with excess demand for labor, meeting a constrained supply. In this episode, we're digging into the labor market, which Federal Reserve Chair Jerome Powell has labeled extraordinarily strong, lifting wages and making the central bank's central focus, controlling inflation, much more difficult. We're here to explore what we do and what we don't yet know about the post-pandemic labor pool and look at what obstacles there are to balancing the supply and demand of labor. In short, where do the workers go? To help us explore this, I reached out to someone who's been in this space for decades.
0: My name is John Challenger, and I am the president of Challenger Gray and Christmas, and we are a global outplacement and executive coaching company.
1: John has spent his career helping companies, individuals, and governments navigate the labor market. So I asked him, why is high employment seen as a problem for the economy right now?
0: Well, what happens, and it happens in every swing of the economy from expansion to recession, is that you know, we see unemployment continue to drop slowly but surely as the expansion continues We hit a point where we get to full employment. That causes wages to rise, and that's what's leading to this inflation. Companies have a very difficult time. If they go into a tight labor market, they need to hire people. But to get those people, they need to hire them at a higher rate because others are competing for them than what their workforce is currently at for that position. So do they then raise their entire wage scale in a particular area to meet the demand that they're facing from the workers they're bringing in. It's a very difficult problem. Again, we want rising wages, but we don't want inflationary wages. And that's what does happen because there aren't enough workers for companies to do the work that they have on their books and potentially coming. And so what happens is you get inflation, often it's wage inflation that really drives inflation in other areas. It's not the only component, but this is a natural swing that happens in each period of growth to recession, and then back to growth.
1: So, John, you use the phrase not enough workers, and this seems to be the main driver of this conundrum and this imbalance. Lots and lots of demand for labor. We see it all around us. We see the help wanted signs. We see the data that suggests that we have lots and lots of job openings in the U.S. economy, um, and we have very low unemployment, so few folks to actually fill those jobs And we've tried to look at some of the trends that might be contributing to that constraint on supply. We have heard about sort of the early retirements amid the pandemic. We have heard of the impact of immigration. We've heard about potentially less participation by some of the low-wage service workers. Can you talk to us about the trends you see among the various categories of workers as we try to sort of tease out what the central problem is here? Well,
0: one of the things that did happen in the pandemic is that There were many workers who decided to stop working. They, in fact, took themselves out of the labor force. And we've not seen it return to where we were before the pandemic hit. There are people who were working, were choosing not to now. And some of the groups are certainly people in their 60s and 70s. That was an area that's been growing. People just maybe because they're healthier, because they need to keep on earning income, but people with skills and know-how valuable in the labor market saying, maybe it is time to just stop thinking of myself as working until I'm a certain age or even doing part-time work. So that's a group that maybe because of health concerns, they took themselves out of the market to a greater degree than was happening before. Another segment might be dual income couples. Couples said to themselves, all right, we can do with less income let's stay home. It's been pretty nice. One of us will work less or maybe not at all. And so some of the dual income couples have not gone back to working 40 hours a week, both members of the couple. So again, the pandemic changed patterns of how people think about their work and how much they're going to do of it.
1: So John, let me ask you, because those are so interesting, sort of these early retirements. The number of people in that cohort, though, is relatively small relative to the overall labor force. One of the areas, though, that is a very large cohort that, as you reference, has not gotten back to pre-pandemic levels is this prime age male cohort, 25 to 54, where we continue to see a depression in the, the labor force participation there. Do you have any insights as to why that might be happening?
0: There's been a big flow from manufacturing workers, people who thought of themselves always as being willing to work in those jobs, saying, "Okay, I'm not going to do that anymore. Distribution, again, was a place that many people went, but some people just said not working right now. And I think that's part of the dual income couple phenomena as well.
1: That's really interesting because your reference to sort of this massive shift that we've had in the economy from manufacturing to services impacted that cohort pretty acutely. And that's actually why we've seen this trend in the last period of pre-pandemic. But it's been a long lasting trend over the last couple of decades, lower and lower uh, labor force participation across this specific cohort of prime age men. Americans are moving away from manufacturing or opting out of the workforce entirely. These are big structural changes to the labor market. But the pandemic hasn't just changed what we do, it's also changed how we do it. And that's also important.
0: There's a big shift that went on in the pandemic, you know, as people moved from working, you know, at offices on-site, commuting into work to working at home, to thinking of the work week as, you know, if not five days a week, maybe four. So some people have very successfully made that change over to working from home more often or full time, and others have been less so. So in this watershed period, we just went through the pandemic, you know, in our economy, in our culture, but also in our workplace, the way people go to work the amount of work they do and how they get it done, it's not been as as simple a translation as sometimes it's made out to be that it's just people can go from coming in, their workplace is very defined to being more at home and having to deal with the distraction. Some people are better at it than others.
1: John, are there any implications for that? For instance, is job turnover anticipated to just be higher in this new normal of much more flexibility and more work from home?
0: Well, there's a number of interesting trends there. So one is that companies are no longer as constrained to their geography when they're hiring people. So if you, in the past, as a company, were recruiting workers, you wanted them to come into your office at least a certain number of days, if not five days, you only could look at people within a certain geography. Now, people have been hired from all over the country by companies because the jobs have been virtual. So think about how many people over the last few years you've met who said, I was hired during the pandemic and I've never met my boss in person because I've been working through my computer, phone, Zoom through that period of time. So that's one big trend that changed the way the market was. But also then from the people side, many people in just the same way said, I'm going to take myself out of this local market I'm going to move to a smaller place or to a place where I maybe was raised and now I'm going back. I'm going to keep my job. And so that's been a big change, I think, also for companies in terms of thinking about how to hold on to people, to retain them, to keep their cultures together, to create the kind of stickiness that causes people to stay at companies.
1: I think that's really interesting. Obviously, challenges But silver linings on both sides, I think you're absolutely right about the benefit to companies of, you know, having a bigger, non-geographically constrained labor pool. And then clearly the benefits to workers, there's a huge value in that flexibility. Even in this tight labor market, where workers are scarce, we've started to see companies cutting jobs. It's been most visible in the tech industry, but it's started to happen in other sectors as well. I asked John what these layoffs signal about the economy.
0: Well, we are no question seeing layoffs start to grow. And in past periods of recession, as we go into a recession and a slowdown in the economy, there have been other sectors for a long time in the U.S. economy. Through much of the 20th century, it was the auto sector that drove the economy. And when you started to see layoffs there, people bought fewer cars, that would reverberate into the economy and into other sectors as the recession wore on. It tells you just how important the tech sector has become to our economy that for the first time, really, they're the first big sector to announce consistent heavy layoffs, you know, from Amazon and Google, Microsoft, Salesforce, Meta, Dell, Philips, IBM. So we're seeing the tech sector lead this time, but it will make its way into the economy. And it doesn't happen all at once. So we've seen manufacturing, like you see. We've seen some in finance and financial sector, like we saw in the 2009 recession. Really, that was the financial sector. In a period like we are right now, unemployment's still very low. Those people get snapped up some of them, the best ones. Uh, that's why we're seeing some of these conflicting reports, because we're still in a period where it's just starting to change. Uh, we're seeing unemployment now at 3.6%, but there's more to go. And as that happens, we'll see other sectors come into play You know, as layoffs continue to occur. People think it's it's got to be either like we're in just deep shutdown mode or the economy is going great guns and Yet it's, it's always a mixed story, especially in periods of change like this where people and companies are so used to the economy being really strong, the labor market being really tight. And it still is, but it's slowing down. And they're still thinking you know, like they do at the end of every expansion that we're still in the heyday.
1: Yeah, I think that's really interesting. I mean, one premise is that these companies that are announcing layoffs now, even though the economy still is strong. And with labor markets tight, you're starting to see them act in a way that we haven't necessarily seen before. They're sort of getting ahead of the economy and announcing these layoffs. And perhaps that's a function of the fact that many of these companies just overhired right as the pandemic hit. And right after the pandemic, they sort of took cues from the supply chain constraints that you referenced earlier and said, gosh, I better ring fence my labor supply here. And they perhaps overhired. And now they're not cutting into the bone necessarily, but they're just right-sizing their labor force, recognizing that we're in a slower growth period, if if not a recessionary period. I think that's really interesting how companies are sort of viewing labor the way they would view other inputs in terms of wanting to preserve supply and build sort of resilient labor forces rather than the just-in-time hiring, firing, hiring, and firing that we've seen in prior periods.
0: Yeah, there are companies, especially when unemployment gets very low, like it's been for some time, that hire bench strength, especially in areas that are hard to hire, like, say, tech workers. And those companies aren't made up of just tech workers. I mean, they're companies with all the functions that other companies have, but they do hire a lot of tech workers. And so companies have built bench strength that way. And now as things start to slow down, we're seeing some cuts. It's unlikely they're letting too many of their tech workers go actually in that function because there's still so much demand. And let's recognize that at unemployment 3.6%, it's one of the lowest periods of unemployment that we've experienced over the last 40 years. We're still in a very tight labor market, but it is changing. There are still companies that are in just hundred percent the opposite mode you know of these tech companies they've got orders on their books you know for the foreseeable future and they are desperately trying to find people and that's again what makes an economy that's as big and complex you know as the u.s economy hard to put into just a black or white kind of way of seeing it it's not one way or the other You know, we're in a transition. The economy is slowing down, but there are companies that still can't find a 3.6 percent unemployment anywhere near the workers they need right now to get the orders, you know, that they have on their books completed.
1: So, John, you've been an acute observer of all things related to the labor market for decades. And from your decades of experience, are there any things that have particularly surprised you as we're all trying to figure out what is normal after this big pandemic related disruption?
0: Well, I do think that in a period of expansion, and it's been a kind of a funny period of expansion in the pandemic, because most of us would probably look at the economy and just thinking about it, recognize that it hasn't been doing that great, right? The supply chains have been severely disrupted. People have not worked as much, especially in the beginning parts of the pandemic, even though it wasn't a recession, because the Fed flooded the market with with money supply as a way of preventing immediate depression. So the medicine was so strong that the Fed and the government took to try and deal with the risks of the unprecedented period in our economic history. So you know, I do think right now things are in a whole new funny place because we're seeing you know, that money supply that has to be brought down disappear through inflation. We're seeing the most extraordinary, again, unprecedented inflation we've seen since, you know, the Volcker period in the 80s. And, you know, that means just like in the period of the late 90s and the dot-com crash, we're in a period where there are money bubbles, there are asset bubbles, and we're seeing some of those pop. And that's hopefully not going to be too devastating. It's going to be a landing, you know, that we go through over the next couple of years, probably.
1: As you say, it's all part of the cycle. You know, things ebb, things flow, but it's all part of an economic cycle that has perhaps in a lot of ways been exaggerated due to some of the policies that were put in place during the pandemic. You use the word tight. Jerome Powell, Fed Chair Jerome Powell, has used the word hot at this level of unemployment, there's a huge battle for talent. And I know your work gives you a lot of insights into the thinking of workers who are looking for jobs. So would love to draw on that insight and ask you what advice you are giving companies who are worried about finding and keeping workers in this tight labor market.
0: Well, retention is crucial. So working on culture, working on ways to bring people together is very important right now because uh, we've been through this period where the traditional ways companies did that have really been just smashed or certainly changed dramatically as people you know have not been in together. They don't see each other uh, like they used to as much. And so the smartest companies are working at ways in this new environment uh, where people don't get together as often to create bonds between people. Uh, that might mean Regular times when you bring people together, you know, not to necessarily to work hard, but to get together, get to know each other, do things together. It might mean much more consistent company Zoom calls, just ways that people talk. So it, 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 there's a new culture being worked out for sure inside companies, as well. HR, you know, it just becomes so important in a period like this, working on you know people's jobs making sure that they're engaged, that they're satisfied with the work, being given challenging, interesting work. They have access to the potential for promotions, for new assignments. Just understanding you know, what workers are doing is so important. Good management is so important. We all know that story, that, you know, that idea that people inside the workforce are doing multiple jobs, now working for multiple companies because companies aren't setting standards that are too high they don't really know what their workers from home are doing in every area of their company so you know this is a period of time a new period of time where connecting you know with employees to understand what makes them tick is something that has to be monitored you know to a much greater degree than ever before and in new ways
1: We're in a period of transformation right now. The pandemic brought huge changes to our labor market, both the jobs we do and how we do them. We're all still waiting to see what happens with inflation, but these cycles of change are nothing new. The pandemic may have accelerated things, but I never underestimate the ability of the U.S. economy and jobs market to be adaptable.
0: We're not gonna get it solved easily, but it does seem like as we always do we work through as companies and and as individuals the change and the economy comes out on the other side even stronger
1: thanks to john challenger of challenger gray and christmas for sharing his insights and thank you for listening i'm your host katie nixon we'll be back soon with another episode of market currents
0: thank you for listening to our podcast Subscribe to Market Currents from your favorite podcast app to be automatically notified of new episodes. This audio podcast is being provided for informational and educational purposes only and is not meant to be taken as investment advice or recommendation of any specific investment product or strategy. The information does not take your financial situation, investment objective, or risk tolerance into consideration. Listeners, including professionals, should under no circumstances rely upon this information as a substitute for their own research or for obtaining specific legal, investment, accounting, or tax advice from their own counsel. The Northern Trust Company is an Illinois banking corporation with Illinois file number 2016. It is an equal housing lender and member FDIC.